0: Hello, welcome to episode seven of Tech Swamp. We have your host and friendly neighborhood membership team here today, but we're down one. As you know, if you listened to the last episode of Tech Swamp, Nick Miller has left act, more importantly, Tech Swamp, and has moved on. Your hosts for the time being are myself, Alex, and Caitlin. What's up, Caitlin? You know, just membership chilling. Membership chilling. Also
1: mourning the loss of Nick
0: Miller. Nick Miller, our third compadre, Nick, Trace if Amigos. If you're finally listening to the podcast, <laughs> hey hey <laughs> um today we're talking all things health but more specifically our connected health initiative we've got act senior global policy Counsel brian scarpelli and our senior director for public policy Graham default to talk us through some regulatory and connected health updates but first we're going to quickly talk tech history and run through some dc headlines the day july 20th 1969 the eagle has landed Apollo 11 lunar module successfully landed on the moon. The mission took eight days, three hours, 18 minutes, and 35 seconds. Wow, that's specific. Crew members were Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins, and Buzz Aldrin. Upon landing on the moon, Neil Armstrong said the famous quote, the eagle has landed. Six hours after landing, Armstrong took the first step on the moon, uttering the even more famous phrase, that's one one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Man, that went right to my heart. (laughs) Fun fact, the Apollo computers had less processing power than a cell phone today. And that's all for tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C.? Caitlin, what are some of the top tech headlines? So last week, our very own ACT president,
1: Morgan Reed, was featured on C-SPAN's program, Communicators. Morgan talked about the differing approaches to data privacy in the States, Europe, and in Congress, and so, so, so much more. So much more. If you were not watching C-SPAN on a Saturday night and missed this episode, do not worry. We will be sure to link the full video in our show notes. I can't believe you weren't watching C-SPAN on Saturday. Normally my plan, but I just somehow missed it. Uh. In tariff
0: news, they exist. (laughs) But in all seriousness, the latest round of proposed tariffs issued by the Trump administration could impact about $200 billion of Chinese goods. While mobile phones and laptops aren't likely to face a price hike, those wearable devices we all know and love get a lot more expensive, about 10% more.
1: That's right. And this all comes down to a subheading of data transmission machines in the U.S. tariff codes. The particular subheading that includes wearables and other tech devices has been included with about 6,000 codes in the president's most recent round of proposed tariffs.
0: The tariffs haven't yet been implemented, and the public has until October 9th, 2018 to file a request for certain products to be excluded from the tariffs.
1: So on to some happier news. AT&T is rolling 5G out in three more cities. Yay! Yay! Charlotte, Raleigh, and Oklahoma City will join Dallas, Atlanta, and Waco in getting access to AT&T's 5G network by the end of the year.
0: Amazing. But it doesn't stop there. AT&T plans to launch America's first 5G network in six more cities by the end of 2018 as well. And we are obviously waiting on pins and needles to see the others. <coughs> Washington DC? <coughs> Roll of 5G will help drive the growth of our economy by bringing wireless connectivity to the 24 million Americans who are unconnected and underserved.
1: And one thing you'll notice is that these cities vary in sizes, and they are not just limited to the major metropolises, and this is for a reason. AT&T says they are deliberately launching in a mix of large and mid-sized cities, saying that all Americans should have access to next- next-gen connectivity to avoid a new digital divide.
0: Here, here. Speaking of 5G, the Federal Communications Commission, a.k.a. the FCC, just announced their Connected Care Pilot Program. Senator Wicker and Commissioner Commissioner Carr announced the FCC will establish a $100 million Connected Care Pilot Program to support telehealth for low-income Americans. In fact, we
1: just held an event with Commissioner Carr to discuss this very program. Stay tuned for an in-depth breakdown of the program and for more info on our fireside chat with Commissioner Carr. And
0: that's all for What's Brewing in D.C. Today we're talking all things health and our Connected Health Initiative. Before we get into the nitty gritty, allow me to introduce Brian and Graham. Hey guys!
2: Hey! (laughs) Thanks for having (laughs) us! (laughs) I was waiting for Brian,
3: sorry Uh, about that. (laughs) Hello!
0: (laughs) Um, Hi, thanks for joining us today. Um,
3: Great to be here.
0: It seems Thanks. like it is. Yeah, you guys seem really <laughs> excited. Um, i beaming. You can hear the smile. We're excited. We're excited to talk about um, health and Connected Health and our Connected Health Initiative. Um, so before I start grilling you guys, I'm going to kind of give a quick overview of CHI, but chime in if you feel like I've missed anything major. Um, but the gist is that our Connected Health Initiative is really sort of a project of the App Association, where we have pulled together um, sort of really... Interesting and important stakeholders from across the healthcare industry to kind of come together to come up with consensus views on key issues that are affecting the uptake of connected health generally throughout the healthcare system. So we have members who range from technology makers to physicians, to patients, to health systems, to um, university medical centers, to payers, uh, and few and far between. And we really focus our work on kind of what we have considered key buckets, so that's privacy and security, um, reimbursement, and then effectiveness and quality assurance, which is basically just whether or not it works, um, and finding the evidence that proves that it does work, uh, and it saves money. Um, And so we um, started this a few years ago, We've had some really great successes which is really what we want to talk about and and then talk about what we're looking forward to so with that i think one of the things i'd like to start with is brian um give us kind of the overview of what has happened uh in the last year basically in connected health um and the work that we've done
3: absolutely it's it's a pretty exciting time i think for the connected health industry um uh and and you know and, and for what it's worth you know everything that we're advocating everything that we're trying to do everything we're trying to accomplish really does um, we don't do it unless unless it draws from that common thread that goes across all those different segments of the connected health space that alex just mentioned um, which makes the voice that much more powerful but um, you know uh, just really probably the 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 biggest area there's a number of really interesting um, uh, developments that have occurred over the last year um, from when it comes to uh, uh, reimbursement, date, uh, health data interoperability, um, broadband connectivity initiatives that are focused on health, um, and a few other areas, probably the biggest one and the one the biggest area that we've had the most breakthroughs in has got to be the reimbursement space. So, I mean, you know, ultimately the um, uh, money makes the world go round, I guess you could say. And <laughs> so when we're talking about um, we're talking about um, a beneficiary program, which is, it's not making the government money, right? The Medicare program costs. So the obsession with, with the government across administrations, Democrats or Republicans, is how can we save money, more, be more efficient and still deliver the care that, that vulnerable populations um, and, and, and you know, and old, older Americans, for example, and other people who are eligible for Medicare uh, benefits um, need um so that's a you know it's it's a great opportunity for us as as advocates for connected health innovations to to intro you know to introduce that concept to them that's exactly i mean and, and the data the effectiveness that you referred to i think increasingly justifies uh the 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 hypothesis that that using connected health technology products and services does improve care and does reduce programmatic costs and and, um, you know, another thing worth mentioning, too, why the focus on Medicare, right? Well, the Medicare program is the biggest payer when it, for, for health care in America, um, bigger than private systems. So, like it or not, it's a bellwether for how everybody else acts. And, um,
0: and I think it's worth yeah. noting, too, that a lot of um, sort of private insurers sometimes follow um, Medicare on things that they're willing to reimburse. Uh, which is kind of interesting. And just so you guys know, when we're talking about reimbursement, what we're saying is sort of what physicians get for utilizing um, these technologies or, you know, what they get for meeting with a patient, treating a patient, that sort of thing. So that's yeah. what we're referring to. Right. Um,
3: so all, all my preamble there um, <laughs> is, is, you know, really to get at, get at the fact that, that if if a, if a Medicare doctor is not incented, in other words, paid to pick up and use a connected health product or, or service um, then they're not going to do it and and um, I think the the history of the program demonstrates that up until uh, basically two years ago a little bit under that there was not even there wasn't even a, a proposal to provide um, any reimbursement to to physicians in the trillion dollar budget to um, to actually, use these services so, in you know, if you look at it one way, that incented the using old school methods, paper,
1: yeah, paper, taxes, um, yeah,
4: paper. we don't even yeah. have no. that in at the App Association,
3: world. yeah, yeah. So, um, we've been able to make great inroads. All that, there's, there's your problem statement, uh, but we've been able to make great inroads as a connected health initiative, and, and that consensus across those communities has really made the voice more effective and powerful, but, um, it started with last year long story short is we finally got the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services to take one CPT code CPT codes are the there are thousands and thousands of them and they're the things you can do that you report and get and and can get reimbursed for different rates for different codes and all that as you can imagine but um, we got a new code paid for for the use of remote monitoring technology
0: and remote monitoring is when you have a patient who's in one place who's tracking something and the physician is yeah. able to monitor that from mm-hmm. their office right say. so
3: the regulations adopted in the mid 90s by CMS did provide limited reimbursement for telehealth quote-unquote and that was defined as a live voice or video call and nothing else so any kind of connected device a glucometer or whatever that has a sensor and is internet enabled and would periodically monitor a a biometric um, uh, reading from you and then store it and then send it meaning it's not live Mm
0: -hmm.
3: um, was ignored by the system entirely huge oversight you know so
0: then this new code is huge yes so
3: this new code just a first step it's not solving the world's problems no question about that but but it's a it's a it's it's really hard to hard to illustrate how much of a of shift this is for for the medicaid medicare system that is that which um which is is like world famous for it being yeah. stagnant and bureaucratic and yeah. filled with red tapes so, all right so number one we got that new code reimbursement, right and building on that success we've worked with our friends at the american medical association and lots of other doc specialty associations to develop three new codes which in our in the latest rule proposal from cms um, are proposed for activation two of which are are at this moment um, proposed for payment so we're widening the re- the base of reimbursement for the different different things somebody can do a, a medicare doctor can do for using Uh, these these innovative technologies to deliver care never uh, you you ask anybody who was working on this issue even five years ago and they would have laughed if you had said that this was doable right so and and we all you know there's like a congratulations across the uh, hands across America or something like that for uh, uh, you know for for everybody who's worked on it it's a big deal
0: definitely all right. So we've got reimbursement. Mm-hmm. We've got new codes that add to sort of this list, mm-hmm. essentially. So the physician fee schedule is something that CMS releases annually that basically has all of the things that they will reimburse physicians for that are new, that right. are sort of added to essentially the list of services you you can provide and get paid for right. or provide and tr- track mm-hmm. Um for yeah, physicians.
3: Now, th- and, and that's just one. Uh, you know, it's it, infinitely complicated as everybody kind of assumes about Medicare. Uh, but that's one piece of the puzzle. Today's billing world is what they call fee for service, which is based on quantity,
0: right? Rather number than, of patients that you see, right?
3: Rather than results, quantity, um,
0: which would be uh, keeping patients healthier, longer, keeping them out of the hospital, right.
3: reducing readmits, etc. So you know there there's a law. I'll make a very long story short. A law was passed <laughs> in 2015, which which ordered CMS to shift the entire Medicare system from one that is um, uh, quality uh, quantity based rather to uh, one that's value based. So they, there's been a series of rulemakings at, at at CMS that we've been deeply engaged on to develop what is being what they decided to name the Quality Payment Program. It's going to be the new system. The new system that that does reward reducing readmits and other, and other um, uh, results-oriented metrics. So um, it, within that uh, quality payment program, we've also been able to make major inroads and provide key incentives to doctors for collecting patient-generated health data from sources outside of the doctor's office where they're using a stethoscope on the patient during an appointment, right? Again, the connected, run with the connected glucometer, hypothetical in your mind. And um, and for using that data to
2: to provide treatment,
0: which is super cool. And Congress cares about this too, right? It's something that they have sort of
2: yeah they are of. absolutely. Uh, that's exactly how I would describe their role now. Is really about oversight. Um, Brian mentioned the law that was passed in twenty fifteen as the Medicare and CHIP Re- reauthorization Act, and that mm-hmm. is the law that required CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services at HHS. To move from a from a fee-based to a value-based care system, and so when this week uh, the Energy and Commerce Committee, which was responsible for MACRA as they call as they call <laughs> the 2015 law, is going to hold a hearing on Thursday uh, with just to oversee CMS's implementation of this requirement to go to value-based care, and so it's going to be interesting to see what the witnesses say. And how the uh, committee makes sure that the statutory requirement for CMS to use to implement telehealth and remote monitoring is being carried out.
0: That really sort of highlights how recent these develops are, like how developments are. Um, <laughs> oh, like it's,
2: it's so true. Just Even in the though last it's been years. A, yeah, it's been a couple of years, and 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 we have a bill that we that we have been advocating for called the Connect for Health Act that. Uh, would implement sweeping changes. And you go to any member of Congress or, or their staff and they'll say, hey, MACRA was just passed a couple of years ago. We are still working on, in, in the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, they had to actually enact a couple of technical changes allowing CMS a few more years to implement some of the changes required in MACRA. And so, um, th- it's all about oversight for them and they're lo- they're just trying to keep their thumb on CMS to make sure that they are uh, doing what Congress wants them to do.
0: Right. So I know we could talk about all these things for hours, and fortunately we have sort of a limited time, but I want to hit on a couple other things.
3: Interoperability was another one I mentioned. I would just say that, you know, it's this evergreen issue that people have been hearing about for years, but I think most folks in the connected health game or anyone who has used an Epic or Cerner electronic health record personally. Or just
0: like gone to a doctor. Right,
3: is maybe familiar with the concept of data blocking, as it's called, which is um, which is the classic use case is, is one um, one company in, um, uh, intentionally creating barriers to the transfer of data to another company's system and charging fees for that data transfer. Great. So to solve that problem, there's a new kind of a re-opt initiative, really it's been going on for a long time, trying to solve that problem to develop a new, um, uh what they call a trusted exchange framework and 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 uh, common agreement which is supposed to be a um a framework voluntary framework for any anyone in the connected health space who is um holding or transferring health data to in inter- to exchange it in a in, in a in a basically unfettered way and um uh, that's another one that, you know, is, is a central issue for us that's right. been extremely engaged with the relevant part of the Health and Human Services Department on that issue and dealing with Congress. All Congress always wants to know about the interop topic. Yeah, I, we, I
0: think it especially. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Graham.
2: Oh, well, I was just going to use that to segue into the some of the briefings that we are hosting yeah. on yeah. the Hill. Yeah. Um, we hosted a briefing a couple of months ago on the interoperability issue. Uh, we will, A couple of weeks ago, we also hosted a briefing on 5G and connected I care. was going to bring
0: this up. We talk about connectivity a lot on TechSwamp.
2: And 5G is going to create a lot more opportunities in the healthcare space. We had um, Mark Lieber, who you're going to be talking to later, I think, um, in in the program here, uh, uh, featured and talking about some of his um, uh, portfolio companies, especially a company that uses a virtual reality, which requires a really fast connection with low latency and all these characteristics that 5G uh, is gonna bring. We also had Verizon on that panel. Um, And then tomorrow, we're gonna have a briefing on the role of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some are calling it augmented intelligence because Mm -hmm. it's not gonna supplant um, what doctors and and healthcare providers are doing. It's really going to augment and extend, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it goes back to this sort of being able to utilize, you know, it's obviously data. We like to think of it as information. They get yeah. more information about their patients. They're able to make better and more actionable insights about those patients, which is super exciting. Um, you know, obviously dealing with the connectivity issue is so important because there are a lot of rural populations who have major health crises who really need this kind of access to care. Um, And one of the things that gets talked a lot, uh, talked about a lot is the opioid crisis, which does affect a lot of those rural areas. Um, And I know that Congress is also trying to do something about that.
2: Yeah, and as a matter of fact, that uh, Energy and Commerce Committee that I mentioned earlier that's responsible for the MACRA legislation passed about 57 bills this year through the committee. Five seven? Five seven, (laughs) all on on the opioid, epidemic issue all to address that problem and uh, rolled all into one bill and passed the House floor and, and now has been enacted into law. A couple of uh, provisions in there that would help extend care. Uh, one, one of them would expand telehealth uh, reimbursement for um, physicians and community centers that are trying to work with folks with opioid abuse disorder. Um, another would allow prescriptions via telehealth for community centers uh, for folks who have opioid abuse, problem, uh, abuse problems. So, um, yeah, in tangentially, uh, the, the opioid, uh, epidemic and the bills that were passed to address it do, uh, make some strides in, in the telehealth space and, and address it in a really targeted way. I think that's what we're seeing on the House side more so than the Senate side, uh, is that they're trying to target, uh, small changes in incremental, um, Expansions of telehealth services and remote patient monitoring, right? Um, and and we'll take what we can get, and we'll continue to to do these briefings and right. and uh, orient staff to the problem, and continue to, to show them that that we're pushing for.
0: So all changes. this to say, this isn't going away. It's going to be something that we keep talking about for a long time, so? and that has sort of implications for the future. So I guess my last question um, for you both, um, like. Top of your head, what are you most looking forward to? Like, that's coming up. Like, what do you think is going to be really exciting coming up?
2: Um, I'm the first thing that popped into my head is not exactly exciting, but it's <laughs> but how GDPR is going gonna, is gonna to impact healthcare. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's scary more than exciting, but um, uh, it, it has me thinking, and partially it's because we, uh, Brian and I, just hosted a webinar. Yesterday on GDPR, and it, it makes me think uh, about how companies are going to use artificial intelligence and still comply with really strict privacy laws that require you to say exactly what you're going to do with data um, in every in every possible way.
0: Interesting. That may be a future tech swamp topic. <laughs> Who knows? What? Who knows? There All you right, Brian. <laughs>
2: um, for me, it is the it is the
3: payment. Changes that have been made. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, on the flip side of the coin, more positive. Um, but you know, <laughs> when it comes to looking forward to that, at least, because you know, again, it, it is amazing to me just to even to, to think about relatively recently. Um, really, we've, we 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 felt like we were kind of going for a hail mary and trying to just get reasonable, limited reimbursement for doctors to use any sort of technology in the Medicare program and we've actually accomplished that so now how can we grow that and make make sure that the system accurately categorizes it and and prevents fraud and all the other things that people need to worry about yeah we're taking the next step and so this currently we're in the middle of a rulemaking with a rulemaking process with CMS where we're we're going through. basically that's the question we're trying to answer and working with the agency is what's next right how can we how you know they're they're on board finally with yeah. the idea that it does improve care and it does reduce costs. So how can how can we now most efficiently use it? There's a lot of excitement we hear about uh, from the business community, from the policy community. So uh, that's you know that not that the, it's not it's not it's not a free for all by any means, but but it's there's just a lot of positivity there and a lot of great energy that we can really help enable businesses to get into the connected health game and grow and create jobs.
0: Absolutely. So this is awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I would say to you Tech Swamp listeners, stay tuned. We're going to have information about the Connected Health Initiative and what these guys were talking about um, in our Tech Swamp notes. Um, So plenty of information to go read. Of course, as always, reach out to us if you want to get involved, if you're excited about any of this. So, thank you guys again. Um, And now we're going to throw it over to Caitlin and Startup Health's Mark Lieber um, for our member minutes.
1: Okay, I am here with Mark Lieber. Um, Mark took the train.
5: Took the train?
1: I did. Took the train down from New York for our Connected Health Initiative um, event with Commissioner Carr to talk about the FCC's um, Connected Care program. Um, Mark, you're here from Startup Health. Can you talk about Startup Health, what y'all do, and just give me give me a rundown?
5: Sure, absolutely. So I'm with Startup Health. I've been with the group for about four years. And essentially what we're doing is uh, investing in a global army of coachable entrepreneurs who are all committed to achieving health moonshots. So right now, uh, how, what that means I guess, tangibly speaking, is we partner with 250, give or take, startups all in digital health space from a wide range of geographies, wide range of stages, all the way from concept stage to the Series C stage, who are all looking to make a huge impact on healthcare in the U.S. and globally. In addition to that, we also track innovation in the space on a pretty wide scale. A couple hundred startups apply to join Startup Health every month. And so we have tabs on those folks. And we also track venture capital funding in the industry. So um, we've tracked up till mid-year. So far this year, about $6.1 billion in funding, over 400-ish deals in digital health. So have a pr- pretty close pulse on the ecosystem, uh, of the digital health ecosystem that is, and work every day to help our startups grow and uh, really reach market and reach clinical impact.
1: Well, it sounds like you guys are doing some pretty good work, um, you know, your average good people things. Um, so you came down for the Connected Health event with Commissioner Carr. Um, can you talk a little bit about what he said and what that means for Startup Health and the companies that you guys are investing your you know, time and money in?
5: Yeah, sure. So, of course, any uh, government interest uh, in the healthcare space is exciting to me personally, but one of the reasons that... Came down today is because of the real knockdown effect potential that this new initiative can have uh, on on entrepreneurs we work with and on healthcare in general. Uh, As I understand it, there'll be about hundred million dollars invested into really building out the connected healthcare infrastructure, especially in rural and underserved areas. And these are areas where, of course, are very very high need people clinically very high high cost patients uh, and rural geographies where healthcare systems can be hundreds of miles away, hours away, and so health is really tough in these areas and and innovation really lags behind. So where this uh, initiative really comes into play, for me at least, is in the potential, you you could think of it as a government investment into connected healthcare nationwide over the next few years to really allow a couple of things to happen. Um, number one, of course, funding into the space, new infrastructure, broadband access, really allows access of patients to critical care, uh, whether it's chronic care management or acute episodes of care. Uh, it also opens up the possibility for new technologies that haven't even even seen these populations before to be used, further increasing the ability for care. Um, that's kind of on a technological level, but. The effects that I'm really excited about is, is actually the FCC working with healthcare provider organizations nationwide to really kick their innovation into gear, so to speak. I think uh, a lot of stakeholders in healthcare are interested in innovation, quote-unquote, exploring it, not really sure exactly how they can make it work with their already tight margins or their really dispersed populations what technologies are out there even. So I think what this does is really shows the importance of it to those, those groups and really gets that thinking in order because startups will go where the opportunities are. Uh, there's a lot of really innovative thinkers with new ideas that can really have an impact, but we'll just never know if they will until we try some out, until stakeholders that are necessary to the whole system, which providers are pretty necessary, uh, I would say, because patients see them. Uh, they're really the gatekeepers. The more uh, importance that organizations see here, uh, the more likely to innovate. And I think we'll see some pretty impactful clinical results from these solutions once proven.
1: Absolutely. So you are not just an observer of today's event. You also were on the stakeholder panel um, with several other uh, people. And just talk to me a little bit about the dynamic that you had on this panel with your colleagues and, and some of the things that they're doing that is exciting for startup health and for the health industry in general.
5: Yeah, definitely. So I, I where I sit, I talk with entrepreneurs every day. I talk with stakeholders in healthcare uh, fairly often, not quite as often. So I think I bring a little bit of the startup perspective, the innovator perspective to things. And I really learned a lot from my panelists today with uh, Them Coming from a wide range of backgrounds, uh, David with uh, UVA had a lot of interesting pieces to say about how we define rural health. Uh, we need to come to a common definition of what that is because that ties to reimbursement and so forth. Uh seems, uh, I hadn't met David before, but it seems like their group's really active in, in testing telemedicine solutions. Uh, which uh, we also should probably have a definition for what telehealth, telemedicine is across the board, along with rural, but uh, that being an aside, I think what what David offered about what his group is really working on, how they connect uh, to rural rural populations is really interesting just because he's there doing it, uh, interacting on that level and looking for, uh, I guess, upstream thinking from entrepreneurs to see how that could fit into their plans. Um, also learned a lot from, from the other panelists who have a ton of experience in, in actually building telehealth solutions from the ground up. Um, one of them at Microsoft, the other at GlobalMed, uh, Joel at GlobalMed. But I think uh, us four was a pretty diverse set of viewpoints from a wide variety of stakeholders, which I think is really important for people to kind of see where everyone's mind's at and having a representative from all of those
1: absolutely well thank you so much for sitting down with me um i'm gonna make sure that you get in an uber and catch your train on time um thank you so much
5: thanks a lot thanks for having me
0: And now it's time for our Random Identifier. Today we are joined by our other Alex, a.k.a. our intern. Um, he has been working with Brian uh, and Joel in the sort of legal department here at ACT. Um, and this is your last week, so we wanted to make sure you got to be on text Bomb at least once. Thank welcome.
4: you. Thank you. I mean, welcome
0: it. and also goodbye? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome <laughs> and goodbye. I've
4: always dreamed of being on a podcast, so.
0: There you go. And ACT, <laughs> we gave you that opportunity. ACT you never knew. people's dreams
1: come true. Yeah,
4: that's the, what we do here. The opportunities are endless. It's like sitting at my desk and I just realized that it was shark week and I got really excited and then Caitlin brought up it's random identifier so I'm like oh my goodness
0: have to talk about it what's more random than sharks okay so give us a fun fact and then tell us what your favorite part of shark week is
4: um fun fact about sharks is that you're actually uh, more likely to be bitten by a New Yorker (laughs) than an actual shark amazing yeah So...
1: It's a great fact. I, yeah. I believe... I don't have a hard time believing that. Like, that I don't seems either. believable. I, yeah.
4: I don't really know how they got the statistic, though. Like, yeah. I didn't do further research into it because yeah. I don't know, like, what stats they have on, like, New Yorkers biting right. people. Right. Maybe,
1: like, the amount of people that go to hospitals for... Bites. ...human bites. Yeah. That's, That's gotta be a... Hospital visits. Yeah. New York the and... number New of York. shark
0: bites. You probably don't get bitten by sharks very often in New York. No. Also. I would say these facts...
1: They, they have... They must... It must be different. Like, yeah. it's not New York sharks; it's just New Yorkers versus sharks. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, not pool sharks. No. Today. No, not pool sharks, <laughs> which I one day hope to be. <laughs> All
0: right. and your pool favorite. Sharks. Your favorite part of Shark
4: Week? Um, I actually love the videos of the great white sharks. Yeah. Because they're like my favorite sharks, and yeah. it's not because they're everyone's favorite shark because they're huge. It's right. actually because last year, huh? scientists found out that uh, great white sharks are um, like. Very, like, kinship-like. Oh, so, they boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> boys. So they'll find, they'll find brothers hanging out with each other and sisters hanging out with each other and, like, defending each other, too. That's cool. So, like, family so loyal and loyal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it was, like, a huge find because they've never, like, discovered that with sharks or, like, yeah. any other, like, sea.
1: That's pretty awesome. Predator. So you said your favorite shark is a great white. Do you have a least favorite shark?
0: Um, probably those losers who stay on the bottom. The bottom fever. Yeah. Lone sharks. Lone sharks. Because they're loners. Because they're lonely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you really like friendship. <laughs> Value yes, friendship. Yes. That's good. We've learned a lot about you from your item identifier. I like yeah, that. I it's like that.
4: Such a short short span of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I feel good about this. <laughs> um,
1: Caitlin, what are you leaving us with? So I recently, I live in a home with other women we share a house. They are my roommates and we are friends. And I recently moved from a very small room that I called my coffin <laughs> down into a larger, more lovely, spacious room. I'm very excited about it. This is it. a common occurrence in D.C. too. Yes, this is like very normal. Nothing is yeah. weird about this. Um, yeah. Not a cult. <laughs> so I needed to get some decor for my new larger room and I went to Marshall's on my lunch break here the other day. And I stumbled upon this gorgeous (laughs) rendering of a pig with a donut in its mouth. (laughs) And it was $10. And I was like, yes, I'm buying this. And so it it became kind of like uh, an obsession of mine, which I didn't, I didn't know I needed this pig in my life, but I did. And, um, we had a Slack conversation internally here about the name. There were several thrown around, uh, Draken, a
0: combination of Drake and Bacon, um, Broccoli was a suggestion. <laughs> we <laughs> care about Drake here at the opposite Association, but like also we care about Bacon, you know, so like combining the two things yeah. that we love makes sense. You guys,
4: I didn't know you guys cared so much about Drake. Um, um do you see you all seen? of the Drake? I've been, I've been, <laughs> well, I've never been in, in this mm-hmm. office, really.
0: Yeah, we
1: make... Make sure interns don't come in in our office. They're yeah. not allowed. So no, we we use Whoa.
0: Drake emoji. Yeah, we have a Drake. You've never
1: emoji seen a Drake inside.
4: emoji? No. no
1: Anyways, sorry. back to the pig. <laughs> <laughs> so, I asked people for their inputs on the name of the pig because this this is not just a picture of a pig. This is no. an addition to the membership office. Yes. So it needs a name. Part of the team. Part of the team. Yeah. Um, and so just I. I decided the name for this pig. um, It was a combination of several submissions um, from people at ACT. Uh, The name of the pig is Mr. Kevin Drake and Bacon the First. Yep. Full Um, name. Full name. And don't even think about calling him Kevin or Drake or Bacon. It's Mr. Kevin Drake and Bacon the First. Um, So that's that's my random identifier for this week.
0: Um, I love it very much. Uh, And I am glad to have... Mr. Kevin Drake and Bacon the First in my life. And as a part of the membership team, it's important to me. Um, <laughs> my random identifier. Um, <laughs> I am heading on vacation uh, on this this coming Friday, which is very exciting. And I'm going Ooh. to the UK. And I am going to be uh, in London and in Scotland and in Ireland. And I've never been to Scotland or Ireland, so it'll be a first for me. Um, Scotland is awesome. I have heard that Scotland is very fun. You need to go beautiful. to
4: the uh, uh, Scotch. Ciliaries.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I will be. I Good. will be doing okay. that. Um, yeah, scotch whiskey, but also Irish, Irish whiskey. I'm also a big fan of Guinness, so I will be drinking oh, yeah. plenty of Guinness yeah. while I'm in <laughs> Ireland. Um, but I'm excited for new new experiences, new things. I'm obsessed with British TV, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to like spot some of the places that are used in the films uh, and TV shows that I watch many of.
4: There's so. British TV shows? You um, yeah, they're the
0: best. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I will make sure that you know about all of them before you leave, Act. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, guys, that's it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff.
1: And, of course, we want to give a shout-out to Brad Goodall, what, who, com- <laughs> who composed our podcast Awesome Music. Thank you, Brad. Also, do not forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And, of course, we would love a rate and review.
0: Yes, please. That's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. Bye. Bye.